everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. I am recording this opener yet again in the Bogota airport. Uh, had a great week of racing in the uh, British Open. Those guys, Air Nomads and Luke Joe and his team put on an awesome comp, proper World Cup speed, uh, lots and lots of really good pilots. It was super fun. Uh, this talk is with Mark Watts, legend. Uh, I met him in, back in 2012 when he came to Sun Valley for the World Cup and won it. And uh, we've told other stories about that race. Uh, Guy Anderson disappeared, who was also, he did, I think he got second or third in this comp. Uh, he disappeared for a couple days, put the scare in all of us, and uh, but he came out of that one okay. Uh, if you haven't listened to that show, go back and check it out. Awesome stories. But we've had a lot of requests for Mark Watts. He's been racing for more than 25 years. Uh, legend. He tells some great stories. We had a really fun talk. Uh, as with the previous show, it was a live show. It was down there in Columbia in my backyard. There was lots and lots of sound. Uh, Miles has worked his magic, as he always does. And uh, But especially later in the talk, as the sun started going down, we had some very interesting birds coming out. So, uh, But Miles has done his best with that. Uh, still definitely worth listening to. I don't think it'll be too bad. Um, but before we get into the talk with Mark, uh, we get we talk about competitions and risk and all kinds of stuff. You're just going to dig it. Lots of good stories. But uh, before we get into that one, two things of housekeeping. One is I wanted to put a shout out to uh, Coney and XC Tracer. I'm seeing a lot more of these, uh, especially with the comp pilots. It's the tiniest little unit. You've probably seen the ad in Cross Country Magazine. Um, they aren't a sponsor of the show. I just wanted to put out a shout for them, uh, for Coney, because there's just amazing little Varios. Uh, solar powered, you pretty much never need to charge them. Uh, the little, the new Mini, which I don't even have yet, it's barely bigger than a quarter and weighs about the same. It's just almost nothing. So I'm pretty excited to use that in the X Alps. So if you're looking for lightweight gear and just a terrific, terrific audio Vario that connects Bluetooth to your phone or uh, other instruments, but it's uh, what most of the comp pilots I'm seeing are using now. Uh, terrific little unit. It uses accelerometers, so it's instant uh, up and down, and you can do all kinds of uh, customization, which I've done to make it kind of match, uh, you know, your typical Flytech or Flymaster. So get the dampening and the averaging, and find it really good for finding cores and climbing. So the second bit of housekeeping. Um, this isn't actually the most exciting story, but I threw my reserve uh, the first day in Colombia. So I've been down in Valle for a couple weeks and uh, Valle is typically pretty rowdy. Uh, it wasn't overly rowdy this time, but we did have some very blue high pressure days the first few days in Valle that were that were kind of bitey. And, uh, and I've always thought a roll of Neo is really soft and mellow and people always talk about the cloud flying. I hadn't been down here in a few years. Uh, it's been a few years, but uh, the first day I got there and actually the first few days I was there, uh, it was super blue. I guess it's been really dry. El Nino has been very kind to roll the Neo. And, uh, and it was actually really rowdy. So the first day I got in the air, I think I was quite kind of passive about the whole thing. And I was just taking pictures and cruising around and uh, you know, getting some hours. And it was about 20K out from launch uh, up above the kind of ridge. Those of you that have flown there, you kind of know there's like in the mountains there, there's a, there's a shelf up on top that's not too, too steep and lots of grass and stuff. And I was just leaving a, a leaving a climb and I wasn't super high it was a pretty low day at that point but I was just leaving a climb and had a big blowout and 
you know, didn't really think too much of it, but got a really bad cravat on the left side, like pretty huge and uh, very sticky. And I should have stalled it right away, but I thought I could fish it out and I could barely fly the wing with a lot of lean and quite a bit of break, but really to go straight, I almost it was I was using so much break that it almost stalled the right side. So uh, I kind of did the best I could to fly it straight, and uh, you know did the whole fish with the mouth thing. And there's the slide, the lines were so slack, and if I reached over with my other hand, it, it would start to dot and wind up. So I was trying to kind of like do it, like grab a whole bunch of line, put it in my mouth, grab a whole bunch more line, and I was almost successful doing that, but I couldn't quite get it. So then I tried uh, an ESP, which I'd never done, but I'd heard about it from Matt Beechner. He, he did it in the Sierras. It's it's in his talk. I think the second or third episode and uh so that's where you spin the non-flying side so i grabbed all that stuff and just yanked because of course the brake wasn't doing anything and but i didn't do it really aggressively i probably needed to do a little bit harder but at that point i was a little bit worried about my height over the ground uh, and then i took a quick second to reassess and thought man maybe i can if i can fly straight maybe i can fly down off the edge of this thing and get through the trees uh, I briefly thought about trying to land it up on top because there was some grass, but there was a bunch of power lines and I didn't really think that I had enough control over the wing uh, to put it in. I definitely had no right turn whatsoever and it was really quite unstable and I was almost in parachutal. My, my Vario's sink alarm was going off the whole time. I was sinking pretty fast. I didn't look at how fast, but you know that thousand feet i had when it first started uh, disappeared really quickly so anyway started flying straight towards the valley and i was kind of thinking i could maybe get over the trees but that was there was no chance um and very luckily there was a little tiny field little farmer's field that was incredibly steep just a little grass field in this kind of sea of jungle so yeah there was just a little bit of wind uh it wasn't really wind it was just anabatic flow coming up from the valley and so i just got windward of that and uh decided to throw my regalo which is on the right side i have fly with two reserves in my race kit and uh thinking that i could get that out real quick and hopefully steer it in this little field and you know call it a day uh but as soon as i threw it open super fast as soon as i threw the 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 flying part of my wing downplaned really fast and it seemed like i was going down pretty quick i only flew i only threw with about 400 feet of vert that's all i had once i got to kind of windward of the field and uh so i by the time I got, I disabled my wing and reminder to wear gloves. If you, I didn't have any gloves on and disabling a wing without any gloves leaves some nice, <laughs> you lose some skin for sure. But uh, disabled the wing and as soon as I got that in, I was pretty much down. I didn't have any time to even get to the toggles. I took a quick look for them and couldn't even see them. I was kind of twisted up at that point. So uh, landed very softly and just off the edge of the field, actually almost hit a horse going in, which was pretty funny. Uh, and then just stepped out of my gear, went and looked for the bag. I couldn't find the bag, but when I went and did that, I realized that it was really, really steep terrain and walking out of there would have been pretty tough. And then I kind of reassessed and looked at the field and thought, holy cow, I can just fly out of here. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit shallow and there was a lot of trees, but it was, you know, going to be boaty for sure. And, um, nothing like a typical X-Alps launch, so no big deal. So I just packed up the reserve in the bag and, uh, reset my gear and launched and 
flew home. <laughs> it was only about 20K back to Rosalino, so I landed back at my house. And uh, the next day, uh, I guess, according to X Contest, I'm not too sure I believe this, but they said that I, I broke the FAI triangle record there. So uh, that was pretty neat. It held for 24 hours. Another guy beat it the next day by like 0.8K or something, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the flying was fantastic. And then we got into the British Open, and that was terrific. But a lot of people have asked me to tell the story about the reserve toss. And that was it. Uh, it was certainly very, very tame. Um, you kind of think you're never going to have a reserve toss after all these years. But I mean, I've done a few uh, in acro, but I've never done it in that kind of situation. So, um, you know, certainly there was some adrenaline pumping, but uh, testament to reserves and a good idea to have two. That was that was awfully nice as that allowed me to, to fly home, which was which was pretty nice, better than a very, very hot walk through the jungle. So. Uh, that's it for housekeeping. Let's get into the show with Mark Watts. Uh, God, he races fast. He's so fun to fly with, and uh, he tells some pretty good stories. I think you're going to dig this, so enjoy this talk with Mark Watts. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the Mayhem uh, mid-comp. I know that's always kind of tricky to fit in the time and stuff, but uh, you are a legend in the sport, and so uh, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and, and I've had a lot of requests for you. Um, I thought where we'd start is kind of what we were talking about the other day with your dad. Uh, I understand your dad's kind of a pioneer. He got started. We just did this hang gliding show pretty recently, and uh, he sounds like he got started from the same National Geographic article that came out in the early 70s. Um, maybe start with him and uh, and how he maybe eventually led you to flight. So, uh, yeah, my dad went to um, went to the dentist and uh, picked up this National Geographic magazine. And there was an article in there about uh, people flying the, the Regalo. It was um, apparently a, an offshoot of NASA research for bringing in the pods from outer space. And, um, yeah, men were, were flying these Regalos. So he wrote off to the States for instructions on how to build one. And the instructions came back. So, uh, yeah, it was a uh, thousand gauge black sort of building polythene, aluminium scaffold tubes, 90 degrees nose angle with whatever you needed to wrap the material around the around the leading edge. And he ironed it together, shiny magazine, and ironed the two bits of plastic together, and that's how he stuck it. Um, yeah, no top rigging, no battens. Uh, I think he said the instructions were push to go up and pull to come down. So uh, I think he said... There, he's, there you got it. You're, you're ready yeah, to go. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, his first flight, I think it was from... I'm not sure if his first one was from Plumpton, but he used to fly from uh, a ridge called Plumpton, um, or the Ditchling Ridge. And uh, he sort of got near the bottom and thought, I want to be at the top, and pushed the bar out and came down from higher than he thought. And he said the soles of his feet were black for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was... Uh, he learned not to push out too much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think he said his first soaring flight was uh, in a four seven gale, and the upshot of it four was, seven. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> well, he kept going out and he couldn't stay up, so he just kept on going out in stronger wind. <laughs> and uh, eventually, one guy that was taking it took the nose wires or you know, it was ropes at the time, so a nylon shock cord. Um, they sort of moved towards the front of the hill, and uh, the dad's lifted off the ground. This guy's lifted off the ground, and so thought bugger you and let go 
And uh, that's sort what of went up backwards and landed, and that was it. Soaring top landing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Got it dialed. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he also experienced the, the Luffing Dive. So, you know, quite soon after hang gliders were made, they worked out they needed battens and top rigging to stop the sail going the wrong way up. And they would uh, dive into the ground and, uh, you know, not do the pilots any good. But uh, Dad broke his ankle in a, in a Luffing Dive. Uh, on the what you call the black polythene bat, and uh, yeah, after that, I think the next hang glider was homemade. I think that probably had top rigging, but that was sailcloth and a bit more advanced. But yeah, and on he went from there. <laughs> he used to bribe the local farmers with punnets of mushrooms. He used to work on a mushroom farm. Yeah. He used to bribe them with punnets of mushrooms to allow them to fly his hills, really? fly the hills. Yeah. It, so this is kind of early seventies. Yes, it'd be, I'd be three years old, so probably, yeah, 72, 70, 73, 74. And was it his kind of passion for flight? Did that carry on then, I guess? He, he kept flying, he's still flying. Yeah. He's still flying. Yep, yeah, yep. Right. still flying now, yeah. See, he's just turned 70 now, I think. Wow. Yeah. And any other close calls? Oh, there's always close calls, aren't there? Yeah. Been flying for that long. There's got to be some close calls. Um, yeah, he had a quite a, a nasty accident with a, a thing called a Quicksilver, which was a sort of a, a, a wing with a tailplane that was at Furl. Um, yeah, that sort of got into a dive and hit the hill at, at Furl. Um, I believe later on they, they lift the tailplane up by about eight inches to stop it going into a dive and make, make it pull the nose up. But uh, no, he broke his thigh and I think some sh a shoulder blade and mashed up a load of internals. He was in hospital for a long time. Ooh. Well, I don't know if it was four months or more, but it was quite a long time. And wh about when was that? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I was doing about eight, I suppose, maybe ten. Okay. A few years yeah. after he learned. Yeah. And then you you had kind of a scary incident in one of his trikes or something. Yeah. Was it, was it the Quicksilver or was it No, else? no. It was, this was a thing made by a company called uh, Aerial Arts, I believe. Um, it's a 330 twin Fuji Robin engine with a with a trike, a hang glider. Um, uh, it was Magic. Magic 4, 177. Magic 4 hang glider on a trike. And... Uh, I suppose I'd have been about 13 years of age, and we were down in the, down in the field right at the back of the farm where we lived. And uh, Dad said, "Do you want to have a go with a trike?" It's like, "Yeah, sounds good." So he said, uh, "Go down the field. Before you do a, a turn at the bottom, get the power on early because the field's a bit small. Come back round and uh, come up the field." He said, "When you get to roughly where I am, push the bar out, pull it back in again, get to about 10 feet, let off the gas, and just do a little little hop in the field." So, fair enough. Sounds sounds reasonable. So, first attempt didn't really have enough enough uh, speed to get unstuck. So he said, try the gas a bit earlier in the bend. So, second attempt again, no uh, no success. Third attempt, yep, gone down the field, come trundling up the field, and uh, pushed the bar out. Pop, I must have gone up to about sort of 20 feet, and uh, I then remember sort of looking at the end of the field, and there's a row of trees at the end of the field, and I thought, hmm. Uh, if I let off the gas now, I'm not going to stop before the trees. Apparently, with hindsight, I would have done. But so uh, I've gone trundling along the, you know, gone, gone along the field at sort of 20 feet, and my dad's sort of watching, thinking, "What's he doing? What's he doing?" And uh, so uh, I've gone, gone along the edge of the field, got to where the trees are, 
popped the bar out, boom, up and over the trees. I thought, yep, yeah, not a problem. Dad does a big 360, comes comes right there, you know, big circuit, comes back at the bottom end of the field, comes in and lands. No, yeah, that's, that's what I'll do. So, uh, yeah, not a problem. I've put a left turn in and um, I'm on full throttle all the time though. And it's probably, I don't know, climbing at seven, 800 feet a minute. Maybe not quite that quick, but uh, anyway, by the time I come back round into into the bottom end of the field, I can see my dad jumping up and down in the field, and he's about the size of an ant. <laughs> yeah. So hey, you were tall. Yeah. You were was, way too high. I was a bit hot, yeah. <laughs> and um, he'd put this strange thing on that uh, you could get the trike to point in a different position to the hang glider, um, which makes things a bit odd because the hang glider's weight shift. You think you're going where your feet are, but you're not. You're actually going where the base bar is pointed, if you, if you see what I mean. So he did that to deal with, like, unfavorable launching conditions or something, right? Yeah. Like fields crosswinds are, or something? Yeah, fields are a bit small with a crosswind, so you'd start off with the hang glider pointing into wind, and as it went up the runway, it would then wear the cock into wind because it's delta-shaped and take off. But when you were flying, it, it made things a bit strange. You had to sort of know about it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so... A problem I had with it was when I'd come back around to where I wanted to be going, I'd look at my feet, and when my feet were going roughly where I wanted to be going, I'd put in a uh, put in a turn you know, to try and straighten up, and I'm obviously still in the turn. The base bar is still pointing left, so to speak, yeah. whereas my feet are pointing right. <clears throat> and the hang glider goes, you know, where the base bar is pointing, so it kept on going around and around in circles. It wouldn't stop turning. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and is dad getting farther and farther away, or did you well, figure it out where you're getting lower and lower no, now? I mean, there was, I, I, it's a long time ago now, yeah. so it's difficult to remember the finer details, but uh, <laughs> I do remember being sort of halfway along the field and nose down with the with the hang glider or the trike pointing nose down, thinking, not going to get in here. I'm, yeah, it's just too small. It's not going not gonna to work. So I thought, I need to have a bit of speed on before I go pushing the bar out, or else it could stall. You know, I, I knew about reflex washout weight shift, airspeed, various bits and bobs. So uh, I give it some gas and the uh, the farm buildings came up rather quick. <laughs> but anyway, I missed those and pushed the bar out and off I went. And uh, I, don't I remember there was a sort of conifer forest, a conifer wood around the back of, of the of the field. And I do remember the, the feeling a twang as the, the wispy bits hit the bottom of the trike once or twice. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, that was... That was a while. I was up there for a while, and um, yeah, I think that evening somebody phoned my dad up and complained at him because he'd been buzzing their house for twenty minutes. <laughs> it's going round and round now. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> so he uh, apologised humbly and said it wouldn't happen again. <laughs> but uh, so after about I don't know how long it was. It might have been twenty minutes. It might have been longer. I don't know. But uh, I was starting to think it could run out of fuel. Um, and also it started to feel like I was up there for quite a long time. may not have been, but it felt like it. Yeah. And I was thinking, I'm going to need to sort of get down reasonably soon. And uh, so I thought, right, there's another field over there. So I thought I'd try and get it in there. So I'm coming down and all of a sudden it's sort of gone whoosh and I'm quite sure what happened, but I've ended up landing 180 degrees the other way that I had intended <laughs> in, a, in, in a field next to the one that I'd intended to get in. <laughs> But uh, on the way in, it sort of the track had come in. We well, got one bit. out of three things, right? At least well, you landed. <laughs> yeah, I'd sort of uh, come into the um, come into the field, slightly crosswind with the track, and it sort of broke one of the plastic wheels, and that was about it, really. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there I am, you know, 
13, 14 year old kid stood in a field with a micro light and the farmer lives, the farmer's house was just over the road. So he's come across and uh, sort of you know, there I am stood in the field and my dad's come running, running over. And my brother's come running up behind my dad from a sort of mile or two away. And uh, dad sort of smoothed it over with the farmer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and carried on lessons well you know he said to me um he said what, what were you thinking i said well i was concerned about hitting the trees at the end of the field he said well, well, you know you wouldn't have done anyway he's uh we had a bit of a chat about it and then he said uh he said yeah he said uh, i don't think we should tell your mother about this do you <laughs> <laughs> so uh no we didn't tell my mum <laughs> Well, we'll have to make sure she doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He also mentioned to me that he was uh, sort of thinking about the newspaper headlines, you know, irresponsible father kills son in microlight incident. <laughs> <laughs> they always yeah. say in backcountry skiing, you know, before you drop in, always think about what the accident report's going to read, you know. <laughs> you know yeah. Dumbass takes a stupid line. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, an interesting moment. And was, but that wasn't really your intro to flying. It sounds like you, 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 because you said you, you understood wash and, and balance and leaning. And you, had you been flying other stuff? No, no. We used to play with paper airplanes. Oh, okay. Make uh, we used to make these. Um, yeah, we used to make them out of uh, polystyrene you know, meat trays, file them, down, sand them down, and cover them with paper, and put reflex and wash out on them, and oh, wow. you know various bits and bobs. So I sort of understood a bit about it. Did you get into the RC thing too? RC? The 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 remote control no, planes? No, 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 we didn't do any of that. But um no, these these were nice things. They'd go quite a long distance. They weren't your normal sort of paper aeroplane. They right. uh, yeah, they'd go quite a long way. Mm. Um yeah. So yeah, we we used to play with those. So I knew a bit about that stuff. Uh but it kind of put me off flying really. That, I, uh, that incident. Mm. I'd had a, a tandem flight with my dad off of Plumpton on a, I don't know if it's highway, it's a thing called a Super Scorp, Super Scorpion, I don't know who made it, but uh, we did a top to bottom off of Plumpton on that one, one day, and uh, I'd also went on a, Ian Grayland made a hang glider called a, a Sigma, and uh, I had a tandem flight on that in Ireland, a place called Mount Linster. Um, so I'd, I'd been up a couple of times on the hang glider with my father. I think, I can't remember if that was before or after the, the microlight thing. Can't remember. But um, no, I didn't really fancy hang gliding after that. It sort of put me off a bit. So uh, I didn't really start flying until about 20, I, well, 21, I think I was. Staying, mm. staying with a friend who was taught paragliding for, for the um, Green Dragons. And uh, yeah, he taught me flying. So What's the Green Dragons? There's a paragliding school. Okay. Um, they were based in Essex. I think they're, I don't know, somewhere in Catrum now, somewhere near there, Waldingham. Um, but yeah, they taught on the on the South Downs, and uh, I was staying with him. We did uh, did a morning's ground handling with a like a an ET, I think it was called. Cells the size of footballs, about nine cell. Yeah, right. Did some did a morning's ground handling with that. Um, did a top to bottom off the hill at Beachy Head in about 15 mile an hour wind. I was on a largish glider, weighed about 12, 11 stone. It took 15 minutes to do a top to bottom. <laughs> that was pretty good. And then uh, got on some Harley, it was called, some sort of Harley intermediate paraglider. And then started doing some soaring at Bo Peep. And that was that. Off I went. Huh. So those years between like 
13 and, and 23, was your dad still right into flying and just wasn't really interesting to you? Uh, well, I, th I, um, how shall I put it? I had a bit of a disagreement with my stepmother and uh, we had to sort of not live with my father anymore after that. Mm. Uh, so I went, went to live with my mother. So it was a, quite a long period of time where I just saw my dad on the odd occasion. And I think, I think he'd got into microlighting. Well, he had, he got into microlighting. Um, so he wasn't really flying the hills much. He was mm. just sort of doing his, his microlighting when he wanted to. Oh, so the, the, the birth of your paragliding really wasn't involved with him. It was more because you were with this friend. Yes, yes. Huh. Um, I mean, it's sort of, yeah, I was with this friend, learned to soar. Uh, my father had just had a, uh, an accident with a microlight. And uh, I think I think I'd just split up with my girlfriend and he just split up with the, the, the ex-wife or my stepmother that I hadn't got on with. We were living in a, we were trailers. We were living in a trailer. The trash. <laughs> um, and I kept asking him about, yeah, you know, soaring and, and thermaling and all this sort of stuff. And uh, he was giving me the answers as best he could. And it kind of got him back into it. Mm. Yeah. So uh, he used to go flying his magic and I would uh, be flying a paraglider. Cool. Yeah. And has he gotten into paragliding? Yeah, yeah. He, um, I can't. I don't know if it was him or me suggested about it, but yeah, he got got into paragliding. Taught him a bit of stuff. I mean, typical hang glider pilot coming across the paragliders, they just don't like it much. Yeah. You know, they haven't got anything really that physical to hold on to. And, and with the hang glider, they you know they want to turn, they want to shove. Yeah. Whereas uh, with the paraglider, it's a bit you know delayed response. But uh, we got got sort of over that and taught him taught him some paragliding. Um, well, we went to Scotland on one occasion. We were there for a wedding, I think, and uh, we went up this huge mountain, Ben Ben Leddy or something. Mm. We sort of walked up there, and my father wasn't very good at uh, at launching, so um, I tell you what, Dad, what we'll do is we'll lay the paraglider out on the ground. So we laid the glider out on the ground, laid him on the ground. So he's like, you know, it's just like he's laid <laughs> flat on his back with the glider behind him. <laughs> and uh, I said, when you're ready, let me know. Give me the, give me the nod. And I think I held the brake lines, let go of the brake lines, grabbed the front risers and pulled them. It was quite a, <laughs> quite a nice bit of wind. Yeah. And I pulled the front risers and up comes the glider, lifts him up and off he goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a unique way to get somebody in the air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a nice, nice bit of, you know, slope, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. If it had been slope, you know, reverse launching off of a slope in, in 12, 14 mile hour wind, it would have been off the slope, twist, messy and all the rest of it. So right. uh, I thought, well, that's the way we'll deal with it. And off he, off he went. Ah, that's great. Yeah. His first uh, paraglider was a, a Voodoo, Airway Voodoo 1, which was a really sweet piece of kit. I mean, it's a shame it had the porosity problems, but mm. in, for its time, it was a uh, very nice, handling, well-behaved paraglider that competed with the, the best of the other or seemed to compete with the best of the other comp gliders around. Mm. Um, so I said to him, you know, if you get a, you know, a taboo or something intermediate, you're just going to outgrow it because of your experience with hang gliding. So we need to get something that was reasonable performance. So we got him a, an airway voodoo and, and off he went. Hmm. He was supposed to take it easy and start, you know, flying things a bit, uh, a bit slowly, but, um, doesn't no, sound you, like that's his style. No, you know, someone said to me, oh, I had to grab your dad's feet and pull him down the other day at Cayburn. <laughs> it's like, Dad, you're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like quite a character. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely quite a character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, uh, so you get into it in kind of the early twenties. Um, how did you uh, take me through your first kind of like first few years and getting into comps and just like the, the resume version, you know, how did it all kind of progress? Uh, well, I learned sort of through the, through the green dragons. I then did, uh, some teaching for them. Um, I think Harley free spirit was the first thing I really flew. Um, which was a, I think it was a copy of a Falloc athlete, pretty sort of basic. They had, uh, I think they had the cascades, a double one, the leading edge lines would go up and cascade to, to four. Mm -hmm. So you, you you only had your A's and your and your B's, I think, but they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't do things like big ears if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah, flew around on a free spirit for a while, and then uh, I bought Andy's uh, Green Ninja from him. That was my first paraglider, Firebird mm. Ninja, with the wire risers and the uh, weight shift and all the rest of it, which sort of gone by the by now. But uh, yeah, just out flying all the time. Never had a Vario or an altitude, uh, an altimeter to start with. Got a sort of little, I think it was a uh, skydiver's altitude dial yeah. thing. Yeah. That was the first uh, instrument <laughs> I had. And I think in the first three years, the best height gain was about 1,100 feet. I can't remember if that was above sea level or, or above the hill. I can't quite remember. <laughs> but uh, used to just fly around being a bloody hooligan, tearing up the place, probably irritating people. <laughs> Um, yeah, and were you just kind of hooked from the beginning, from those yeah. first couple of lessons? You were really yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I had the the ninja was the first glider. Well, it was all right, you know. It's probably as dangerous as many of the others, but uh, yeah, I can't remember what glider I got from there. Oh, that's right. I remember uh, Richard Carter doing some sort of an interview and. Um, saying something about size is important. I think he was actually referring to other things, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, I then went and got an Adele ZX racer, which was, a, I think it was 32 square meters. And I weighed about 11 stone at the time. So it went up nicely. <laughs> Good climbing wing. <laughs> yes, it did. It went up really well. And um, as soon as I got that, things changed. It was just like XC all the time. Mm. Um, not, not particularly far, but yeah up and flying all the time going XC and yeah it was just beautiful you know low wing loading tiny circles going up on on anything it's good uh, then I have one of Richard Carter's full race full race katanas big old purple thing 32 square meters of it he had nine A lines on each side <laughs> he had A's B's C's and D's oh my God. and just one side so it's 18 A lines the B lines I weighed mean, eighteen kilos or something. Yeah, I mean it was. Uh, yeah, used to used to whistle the lines to go shh when you were flying about on it. But yeah, had one of those. Used to fly around a lot with uh, a chap called Gandhi, David Nunes. Yeah, he was very still is flying, very good at thermaling. Mm. Whenever we went XC, I'd never let him get quite far enough away that I couldn't get there if I needed to. <laughs> Keep him in your sights. Yeah, definitely. But. Uh, yeah, in the early days, it was, well, it was actually Mike Milled as well. Millie, uh, Millie was around at the very beginning of me going XC. And, then, uh, and this is all in the UK, or are you traveling too? Uh, probably traveling a bit, but mostly in the UK. Um, yeah. Yeah, mostly in the UK. But so, yeah, after Mike Milled, is was uh, Gandhi and I always flying about. He was always, you know, we were always testing each other, seeing who could win the local club league. That was good fun. 
And this is all kind of self-taught time, correct? I mean, when I when I talk to guys that started at that time, like Nate, t- Nate tells a story where he goes into a ski shop and somebody says, this guy's like, hey, does anybody want to go paragliding? I, I can take you paragliding. Yeah, I'll take you. And he takes him down to the hill and, and uh, shows him like three things and hucks him off and he flies down and lands and he goes, well, there you go. You know everything I know, you know. That's kind of it. Yeah, it wasn't quite that bad, but um, it, was, it was pretty early on. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got, I think we've probably got some uh, information out of Mil- Mike Millwood, but uh, he's a man of very few words. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did the first, uh, first 100Ks on a UP. Oh, what was that one? A UP Katana. No, not the Katana. The next one after that. Can't remember what it's called now. Kendo. Kendo C. Okay. So, yeah, had a Kendo C. I was sponsored by Sky Systems for a while with the ITV Attics. So yeah, that was good. That got me uh, got me started, which was great because I never had any money. Yeah, it was all going flying and just a bit of work to subsist really. And who was your crew back then? Who were the guys you were flying with? Um, well, yeah, just this sort of Gandhi or David Noons, myself. That was about it really. Um, there's all sorts of people come and go, but... Uh, Is this kind of before <clears throat> Pendry and Bruce um and... they were in a totally different league you know okay. i mean yeah i met robbie a couple of times at some british championships bruce and uh, and john pendry yeah i mean pendry i remember yeah, i mean i never really had much to talk to him about but uh, i do remember we were on mertha tidville and sort of uh, british champs and uh, we climbed up a bit and i knew it was pendry and He's glided off to a quarry just north of Merthyr. I think it's not there anymore, but a uh, big black quarry. And we're gliding, and I'm thinking, I hope he knows what he's doing, because we're getting really, really low. And uh, it's like, we're getting really low. And he glides into this quarry, and he had some some airwave rave race thing that was mega aspect ratio. It's just a, you know, it's just a blade. Yeah. And we go into this quarry, and he sort of, he starts to pitch up, and he pulls the brake, and the thing goes, whack in half. <laughs> You know, it doesn't. It looks now. It looks like a hang glider, not a paraglider. It's just bent ninety degrees in the middle, and wobbled around and went ping. And I thought, I'll have some of that, thank you. And he no went. Perfect. Yeah, but um, no, they were. I didn't. You know, I wasn't really in there in that in that league. They sort of came and went. I mean, Bruce has been around for a while, but they came and went before I uh, mm. before I sort of got into it. And uh, Russell came along. He started teaching for the local school, uh, Fly Sussex, who sponsored me. Sorry about that plug, Gev. You can't cut no, that one out. That's all right. That's all right. We'll leave it. <laughs> yeah, they're sponsoring me at the moment. But, um, yeah, various people have sponsored me, which has all been brilliant down the road. Gradient did with uh, Brad Nicholas. Um, yeah, it's all it's been good all the time. Mm. Gin a couple of times, UK Air Sports. So it's all been good stuff. Um and so yeah. when did when did you kind of get hot and heavy in the comp scene? Uh, you used to have to qualify to get in the in the British Championships. You couldn't just Rock I want up. to be in the British Open. You used to have to, used to, have to qualify through the U, through the um, the UK XE League. Mm-hmm. So uh, one year I've been qualified in the in the XE League and then got into the into the British Championships. That would have been ninety four. Okay, I think ninety three or ninety four. 95 was flying the Kendo C. 96, 97 was the Nova Expert. Dean Crosby and Nova sponsored me for a few years. That was great. Not the Expert, the Xenon. 
Xenon, mm. what a piece of kit that was when it came out. I mean, dangerous, I suppose. I mean, paragliding <laughs> is dangerous. But it was like, we need one of those. The leap, leap in performance was, was ridiculous. If you had a Xenon, you were God. Yeah. Nobody else could get anywhere near you. Yeah. So, yeah, 94, I suppose, first British Championships. Mm. So, 25 years of comp flying. Yeah, I haven't been doing so much the last few years. But, yeah, lots of it. Yeah. And is there is there a reason you're not doing as much the last few years? Uh, you can't keep doing it for 25 years and be that hungry, can you? Mm. <laughs> so just lack of passion for it? Yeah, the passion's worn off a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got other things I want to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been all-consuming. I mean, uh, you know, there was Mark and Peter and Annie as well. I mean, they've had, they've all... How should I put it? Suffered at, at the uh, <laughs> my um, selfishness and uh, and uh, what's the word? what am I looking for? But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, all-consuming. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> addiction. Uh, yes. Affliction. <laughs> affliction. Yes. Addiction. Affliction. Yeah. They're probably both the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, the two boys are not interested in flying at all. Which, None at all. No, I mean, in some ways, I don't mind. Yeah, you know, it's quite nice because I haven't got to worry about that. them. Right. But no, they don't. They don't really like the word paragliding much. It's, right. It took, took me away too much. It's yeah. my my fault. Mm. Hands up for that one. Sorry, boys. Yeah. Right. Right. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Well, we all we all suffer a bit with that for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. In all those years, um, scary incident or two, I imagine. Yeah. Any, well, any good stories? Yeah. I mean, we'll probably go through quite a few of them, but. Um, yeah. Uh, well, there's one in Chelan. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Um, You're legend in the U.S. for that one. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, um, Chelan is, uh, you take off Chelan Butte, you fly across the Columbia River, which is a, a massive great gorge. I don't know how deep it is, but it's, you know, must be a couple of thousand feet deep, I suppose. It's impressive. And then uh, you can, you can, sometimes you can fly the, or sometimes you have to fly the gorge before you can get over into the flatlands. Ideally, you want to go straight into the flats. But I remember on this one occasion, I uh, was sawing the sort of the gorge face, and uh, I got a, a little little weak climb. It was I don't know a meter a second or something, and uh, so I started circling to the left. Left is best. You've always, you know, forget this right business. Left goes up better. We Agreed all know 100%. That. Yes, absolutely. I'm a lefty. <laughs> anyway, so I started circling to the left and, uh, you know, one circle, two circles, not particularly rough or anything. And then all of a sudden, wallop, 75% of the inside of the wing collapse. It's like, whoa. And then uh, the next thing I know, it's gone into, I think the, the French call it auto rotation. Mm. So it's like a, basically like a sat kind of. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically a sat, <clears throat> satting around the collapsed two thirds. Yep. And uh, so it's, go, it's going to the left. And it's I've got, wanging hard. Yeah. So I've got my hand on the right brake and I've, I've actually pulled the right brake and it's slowing the sat down or the, the auto rotation yeah. sat feeling. I mean, I'm going backwards. Yeah. It's going forwards. It's like I've done some sats and that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Not high. But anyway, so it's gone around a couple of times. I've slowed it down. I thought, right, reserve. So I put my hat, right hand up to get rid of the brake handle. And uh, it's got really quick. I thought, I don't like that much. <laughs> so I pulled my hand back again. <laughs> and uh, by which time it's like, all oh, right, reserve's too late for reserve now. And um, my dad once said to me, when Im impact is imminent, flare like beep, beep, beep. Yeah. I thought, it's about now then. So I just flared really hard. 
With just the one side. Just both. I just, just, no, just both whatever hands. you just, just hand. Just put yeah. both hands down beneath my bum. Yep. And uh, uh, sort of next thing I realize is uh, I sort of land sort of on my back and get dragged over backwards. You know, when a sort of glider falls behind you, sort of pulls you over and you do a backward somersault with a bit of a crick in the neck, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And I sort of got a crick in the neck. I thought, okay, nothing particularly hurts. Yeah, that's good. So up I get. It's like, all right, okay, dust myself down. Yeah, nothing's broken. Yeah, cool. All right, okay. And I sort of look about, and there are boulders dotted around that are the size of cars. And it's like, ooh, that was lucky, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I then sort of, you know, pull myself together a bit, take my gloves off, and just sort of, yeah, you know, put bunch of my Check glider yourself, up. Yeah, yeah, just bunch of my glider up. In the meantime, uh, Brad Ganuccio was sort of soaring about, and uh, he sort of uh, flown past and gone something along the lines of awesome bob totally rad dude you all right man <laughs> something like that i can't quite remember but i give him the wave and he's like okay and off he goes and uh i thought well I, i'm sort of stood there and i look down it's, I don't know, it looks like 2,000 feet or 1500 feet to the valley floor 500 feet walk up to the top it's like hmm i don't fancy walking down much well i suppose i better get back on it and you know fly down so uh i can't remember quite what happened but for some reason i lost one of my gloves which was annoying <laughs> anyway so i got found a spot and took off and started sawing this slope again and i thought well you know well, i might as well you know have a bit of a fly around so i flew around a bit feeling quite still quite shook up yeah i got sort of a weak climb and started climbing up and going up and over the up onto the plateau and i don't know next thing i know i'm at sort of twelve thousand feet and i'm thinking well There'll be people at goal, won't there? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I might, so, so I might as well fly to goal. So uh, I flew to the goal. It's the easy way to get home, isn't it? <laughs> but, I love uh, it. Yeah, no, that was, that shook me up a bit. That one. Yeah. Did you did you find um, did you deal with it like so? You know, the first day you heard down here, I threw my reserve and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, and I just relaunched. I was in this perfect place, and I stuffed my reserve. I had another reserve, so I relaunched and flew home and mm. it was really nice but then that night i was kind of like whoa <laughs> mm. that was interesting yeah it was it, it hit me later yeah <clears throat> yeah uh i'm not sure i mean um shalan is an awesome place uh, that particular glider i had uh, a situation at least two other times where it did the similar thing would collapse and go into a serious auto rotation mm. uh the way where well, i was getting it out was thinking oh, i need to stall this to, to get it out and by pulling the brakes lots and lots of pressure in the brakes and pop out it would come mm. um but uh it didn't do me an awful lot of good actually i was quite shaken up by it because it had occurred on a few occasions um yeah i wanted to buy an r10 <laughs> but um no i couldn't do um but yeah that probably didn't do me an awful lot of good i do remember having a chat with uh oh he's the, he's the guy that's really well respected black diamond seller bill belcourt I remember having a chat with bill yeah and uh yeah he was very good he's good at that calming and yeah. all that stuff yeah. yeah 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 yoda we call him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but um shalan what a place isn't that amazing mm. yeah i've never been was i've been to two places in the states and uh, well three places one, one where it rained a lot um aspen aspen yeah, yeah it was just Aspen's total, pretty hit and miss well it was a total total washout but yeah. um yeah if you're feeling good about your flying 
go to Chelan. Yeah, Chelan. If you're feeling really good about your flying, go to Sun Valley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you yeah. won Sun Valley. That's wow. where we met, and that yeah. was uh, that was that was pretty full on. It was yeah. unfortunate we didn't get more tasks because that was uh, that was a pretty interesting week. But, yeah, but um, yeah, Chelan is <clears throat> just uh, flatland flying once you're across the gorge. Dusty, dusty, like like talcum powder dust soil. You know, when you're on takeoff, you look across, it's like, hmm, uh, I can see six dust devils. <laughs> Today's going to be a good day. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what we're getting, I think we're getting about 13,000 feet above sea level. Yeah, we're getting, that's a pretty tall day in Chelan. That's Is pretty it? good. Yeah. So what's that above the ground, six or seven? Yeah. Maybe eight, yeah, 8 exactly. feet? That, that plateau there is... I want to say it's 45 or so. So yeah, you're, you're, mm. you're getting, you're getting up there. You're getting yeah. where you can see a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It's a special, special part of the world for yeah. sure. We stayed there. I think we stayed there. Adam, we stayed with Adam Hill and Russell. Mm. Mm. We were in a trailer in, uh, in Walmart, in the car park <laughs> in Walmart. Perfect. <laughs> Proper rednecking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I remember, uh, in the, in the early days, Russell coming along and, uh, and learning paragliding. He wasn't very good to start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I do remember him asking me how to do wingovers, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, how the worm has turned, eh? <laughs> wow. Yeah. He's come yeah. a long way. He has, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we like Russ. Yeah. God, what an amazing yeah. pilot. Yeah. And so when, when did it kind of, um, did it start clicking for you right away? What? Flying? Comps. Yeah. Just... Um, probably... I probably didn't get as good at them as quickly as a lot of people. Um, I mean, it was always always good fun. Sometimes it'd be really bad. Sometimes it'd be okay. I mean, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of competitions. Went to the first uh, World Air Games. I think Hugh Miller won that comp. Um, I was fifth there. But I've been to also, you know, been to British champs. It took me a long time before I won the British Championships. By which time. Uh, a lot of the competition had sort of retired anyway. <laughs> I don't think Russell was there. Morgan, Craig Morgan wasn't there. I think Bruce wasn't there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did, I won it. I beat, uh, yeah, but it, um, a lot of the big guys weren't there. So, mm. but anyway. What do you, what do you think it is about? So there's, you know, in, in a sense, you for me and in, in back home is, is somebody like Bill Belcourt or or Josh Cohn. You know these guys. These are guys that, you know, have have like you been competing a long time and flying for a long time. And you know, life is just life and other interests have not so much gotten in the way. But you know, they're not flying nearly as much. But they can rock up at a comp like you have here, and really crush it and really do really well. Um, the obvious answer is just well yeah yeah okay you guys have been doing it a long time but are there are there things that you can pass on to the audience that are you know people that are just getting into comps or that have much less comp experience that um are kind of your go-tos you know like when you came to this comp are there things you're thinking about beforehand or are, are there mental places you're trying to get into or is it just is it just a matter of you know history i'm not sure since I've been doing less competitions, I've been getting, it would appear that I've been getting better at them. Hmm. I don't really understand that. It might be because I'm not too fussed about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's lovely to do well. If you win a comp, you know, you feel like it in a bit. Um, but uh, not being that beat up about it. I mean, my first, I remember the first British champs I went to, 
uh, I think I got best newcomer. It was something like 13th place in the British Championships. And I remember the night before the last task, you know, the last day, not being able to sleep properly. Yeah. I mean, what's all that about? Yeah. <laughs> but so, so really caring about it. And, and, and I mean, I like to, I'd like to win by winning. I don't like to win by aggregate. You know, I, I don't like winning by not losing. I like winning by, by, you know, doing it. Yeah. But that isn't the way to win. Um, but you know, if you, if you don't care about it, it doesn't matter. I mean, there was a task here uh, three or four years ago. I mean, I was, I was going home mid competition, so I really not. I don't care about it. Yeah. And I went racing into Zarzel into the end of speed section with, I don't know, a couple of hundred foot ground clearance over Zarzel. And I was giggling to myself watching Brad Ganuccio and Sebas and whoever just peeling off the side because I don't care. I don't care. Right. It's like I'm going home tomorrow yeah. and you guys plowing into the end of speed section. Okay, I now need to climb to get to goal. Brilliant, you know. Yeah. I don't care. So what if I go down? Yeah. It's the way that, that, that seems to have really helped me. So just being really relaxed about it. Mm, not caring about the result. And it, were you able to take, you know, from that experience three or four years ago, is that just kind of the approach now? Like, hey, I haven't been flying that much. I'm not, you know, I'm probably not as tuned up. Yeah, whatever. I'll just go have fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, it's really nice to sort of test yourself as San Andre. I think it was two years ago. I hadn't done a comp for quite a long time, and although San Andre scares me because it's you know it's pretty strong, um, you know it seems to suit me. Mm. And yeah, I went to the competition just thinking, well, you know, to finish in the top top ten would be really nice. You know, would be nice. You know, top five would be brilliant to get on the podium. Would be mustard, and I won the meet. Mm. It's like blimey, I didn't really expect that at all. You know, I hadn't done any comps for two or three years, and yeah, I don't know. It's just not caring, I suppose. Hmm. And there, um, when you were not in that frame of mind, you know, before, like maybe when you were more serious about it and worrying about worlds and being on the British team and that kind of thing, were um, how how did you approach training? I guess, if you will, like how did you approach? Uh, how did you identify what you were good at, bad at, what you needed help with? I a lot of people think about stuff. I try not to think about it, or I'd like to think I don't think about it. Um, you know, I, you hear people on the bus talking about competition tactics and this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. And I think, really? <laughs> it ain't that complicated. Mm. You know, you go paragliding, you go round and round in the strong bits, and straight in the, in the sinky bits. You know, if you're high, I mean, there's a few quotes that I've heard. You know, I think. It may have even been a Pendry quote. If you're, if you walk through the woods long enough with your eyes shut, you'll bump into a tree. <laughs> Same with the thermal. If you glide for long enough, you will hit a thermal. You just, just can't. You know, eventually you'll hit one. Yeah. So if you're mega high, you've got options. Mm. So yeah, when you're high, crack on, move on. Halfway down, start winding your neck in a bit. When you're low, you just got to take anything. Mm. And if you can, um, I call it a. a a jiu-jitsu moment it was a child's ca a cartoon thing where jiu-jitsu would be chucked off a high-rise building and he'd be screaming to the ground and he'd get out his umbrella go hold everything and go plop with his hum umbrella and uh, and then come down under his umbrella so i call it a jiu-jitsu moment hold everything hmm. i'm really low i have to stay up now for five or ten minutes if i can just stay off the ground for five or ten minutes something will present itself and that's what I think about, you know, when I'm getting low. Mm, that's good. So you're not, 
I, I think often what gets people when they're low is that they'll start to get something and they'll think about, oh, the gaggle's coming and I'm getting overflown or I'm this is taking too much time and then they move. Yeah, I used to get, you know, excuse the language, fuck, 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 yeah. fuck, I need to climb. Yeah. And it's like, hang on a minute. You're too, your mind, you can't, you can't work. Yeah. You're too, too like, I need to climb. You can't, you, you, you need a defrib. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. Like you mind, need to let your subconscious go back to work. And yeah, you can't do that if you're thinking too much. That's right. Your mind's in a spasm. You need to go stop that, stay off the ground. Something will come up. Yeah. Survive. Mm. Just survive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose in the, in the earlier days of, of flying, I was too, um, too impetuous too that you know we're going around in a, in a one meter second climb this is you know come on guys it's better than this i'm off and they just let me go and uh yeah more often than not well, quite often i go down and mm. it's like Ugh. so yeah i was too impatient too young too too impetuous perhaps whereas now it's like actually we're not very high i kind of need these guys wind it in yeah Take yeah. your time. Yeah. Be patient. Yeah, fly with the other people. I mean, I know we're all flying and you know all going around around in crap, but there isn't any better crap around. There's no better better option, so I have to suck this up. Mm. Yeah. What what gear do you use and why? In all of it, instruments and everything. Oh, uh, well, I've used the Brunegger, uh Competition IQ, which is old. You know, it's a it's just a Vario and an altimeter. I've used that for years. Really quite like the tone on it. Um, tried other things like uh, the, the Vario on the Udi can't really get on with that um, when I first got the Udi I hated it it's just almost too configurable and you know people that know me will know that uh, I'm not too technically minded it just did me right in whereas now it's actually a brilliant bit of kit for competitions or I think it is easy to program the tasks in and does does the job quite well and the latest thing is this XC track mm. on the phone mm -hmm. wow isn't that good amazing isn't just it? is it the qr scanner yeah Bing. you get the task I, in there i hope you programmed it right bud yeah <laughs> yeah no, it's I, brilliant. I, I, I don't think i've programmed one yet but uh yeah so yeah competition iq vario i like um brought uh, the the um the udi and now uh, XC Track and the is it XC Tracer, the little varia that goes yep. on your shoulder. Yeah, the XC Tracer is great. I'm sort of struggling with it a little bit. I, I kind of do like it. It's um, I've it, got it. I've got it programmed to be nice and enthusiastic. So yep. so you know you get a, a climb that's you know above four meters, five meters. It it screams in your ear, yep. which is quite nice. But um, I think I need to do some more stuff with it. I need to damp it down. You need the configuration yeah. settings. Yeah I, yeah. I messed around with that a bit. And then I got, I can't remember who it was, but a PWC pilot that was a lot more technical than, than I am. You know, he, he basically has made it to match the Flytech 6030, mm. which is still, yeah, I still love that instrument, even though it's quite yeah. old now, but it's, it, you, you just have to dampen them. Mm. Is it, I, I found it really hard to core before I did that. Well, yeah, know, it's, it's like too zingy. Up and just, down. It's like, hang on. It's reading minute. too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The average is giving me two and a half meters, and you're telling me I'm going up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, two and a half meters is quite respectable. It's like you know, stop the sink business. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I once I did that, it, it, mm. I, I really enjoy it now. That's all I use now, sound-wise. I've gone even away from the Flytech. I've gotten yeah. used to it and feel like it works pretty well. Mm. Yeah. And what about uh, wing harness? Um, recently, I mean, I've. I've been quite a few harnesses. I used to have the um, the UP 
stirrup harness. What I can't remember what they call it now. The UP Fast. Okay. Yeah. I had a UP Fast and a Fast Two, which is like sitting on a tea tray. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed those. Very good for for sort of manoeuvrability. Used to like doing a bit of wagger, you know, a few wing overs and roll reversals and stuff. But the kit these days doesn't really allow it. It just doesn't want to change direction quick enough and. Yeah, yeah, so I don't really do much of it anymore, but used to do quite a bit of that. With those, yeah, with the UP Fast Harness, that was good, and the a Gradient, uh, Avex RSE, mm-hmm. the RS and the RSE. Really enjoyed those gliders. Um, and yeah, used to do a bit of, bit of hooliganism on those. Mm-hmm. Um, then the, the Impress 3 was quite nice. Moved on from the interest Impress 3 to the Forza, the Ozone Forza. Mm-hmm. Quite like that lighter weight stuff. But I've just recently gone on to um, the, uh, oh, what is it, the um, the Italian one. Cortel? No, the Italian one. Oh, that's um, the Czech. Um, Woody Valley. Ah, okay. The XR7. Yes. Had yeah. an XR6 for a while, but it did something in the middle of my back. Didn't really, it was some, some strap that would dig in my back. But uh, I've got the XR7, which is really comfortable. But the zip thing for the reserves. Yeah, it's crap. God, yeah. it does my head in. Yeah, it's unbelievable <laughs> every day. Yeah. So, yeah, they really missed the mark on that one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it would be really helpful if that sock, you know, the, the whatever they call it, the yeah. fairing out the back, if you could zip it off and zip a new one on, like the ozone harness. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, the exoseat's a bit on the heavy side, isn't it? Yep. And uh, that also digs me in the back of the ribs. So I don't know if it does other people, but, yeah, so I've got the, got the Woody Valley harness. <laughs> We've got some very interesting critters coming out tonight, knowing. Is that a cicada or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that might be. A, let me just check how that sounds. That would yeah. be a little too much. Uh, I think. <laughs> just what you need. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been. Uh, Ozone have sort of helped me out with some gliders in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, first one was the R11. And I know it had a, a bad rep, but um, it did me really proud. I flew yeah. hard for 18 months, and uh, I had one 30% collapse on one side once in uh, flying in Sussex. And I thought, oh, here we go, and it just came out sweet as you like. Yeah, Never had any trouble with it at all, but I never actually got a full frontal, which is, I think, where it was badly behaved. Like a little dicey. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, wow, I mean, I love that bit of kit. Yeah. And then um, the uh, Enzo one. It was, you used to leap around a bit, but yeah. the, the sweetness of the handling, you know, for for weak climbs, trying to scratch up from low down in, in you know, on the South Downs or somewhere, it's just so sweet for getting up. Mm. Like this where, this where I went to um, Sun Valley with as well. The Enzo one. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Nick never liked that one. It was, it was, yeah, I think it was based on the R10 and it was a bit. A bit spicy, you know. It would, it would sort of wobble around above your head quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. And uh, I think you've got you got sometimes some big collapses, which I don't think they were quite cravats, but they would pin against the lines. Yeah. It wasn't sort of tucked in; it was just sort of squashed against the rest of the A lines, and it was quite stubborn to get that out. Right. But for just yeah, for 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 sweet conditions, it was you know an inch up and down with the inside brake and yeah, 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 really nice. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, Enzo 2, that was good. Did uh, British record, 275Ks. Mm. I, was gonna not, I wasn't going to get up near that the whole day. island, isn't it? Well, it's not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to get up that day, but Huey, Huey said the northern boys are coming down, so we had to go out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a good day. And now the Enzo 3, what a lovely thing that seems to be. Yeah. No trouble at all with it. Yeah. 
had a couple of big collapses, but just comes out straight away. It's really confidence inspiring. Yeah. So when you think back on your, when you look back on your uh, flying years, all these, all these comp years and uh, years before that, do you have like a, is there a flight that stands out? Is there a, is there a, oh man, I'll never forget that one. There's so many uh, wonderful flights that I've had. Um, I, I didn't really travel outside of Sussex much for, for quite a long time. And then uh, Hugh Miller said to me, come on, look, we, you know, the flying here is not, not that special. We need to start traveling. And, uh, you know, he's been brilliant at instigating us, getting in the car and getting up at whatever time in the morning and driving to the right place. And, um, yeah, it's been been brilliant. Uh Really nice one we did was uh, a flight from a place called the 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 Lawley, which is sort of near Shrewsbury, sort of mid Wales, uh, down to Dorchester. It was I think it's about 200 k's or thereabouts. So you fly sort of across Wales, across the Seven, and then uh, across the M4, uh, sort of yeah, over Castlecombe racetrack, down past Longleat Safari Park, and then down and land on the beach. That was uh, first time we did that. That was classic. Uh, flying over the Cairngorms in Scotland for one of the North South Cups, I remember sort of, you know, moving on, cracking on, cracking on, and then looking down, I sort of halfway to base, and looking down and going, "Ooh, where's that quarter of a meter of a climb gone?" <laughs> it's like I don't want to be going down there. I'll stick to anything right now. So that really sort of made me wind my neck in there. That was uh, yeah, quite stunning. Um, we did also did another flight from uh, Glencoe, I think it was. Flew from there down to Maleg, which is uh, on one of the peninsulas where you go over to the Isle of Skye, I think. Mm. That was, I think it's about, I'm not sure if it's 60 or 100 k's or, you know, it's not a particularly mega distance, but it's some lovely scenery. Down down the Glencoe Valley, there's something called the Buckle and various bits and bobs. That was uh, mm. quite stunning. Um, yeah, also, I mean, 100, first 100 k off the, off the South Downs, that was brilliant. So yeah, flying from the from the River Severn, you know, across the sort of past Swindon, Coombe Gibbet, yeah, down past Midhurst, and then back to Ringmo where I live. So yeah, there've been some really nice flights in the in the UK. Um, I really enjoy flying the UK. Mm. Uh, there's another site called Sharpano, which is it's this sort of tiny little hill that takes an easterly wind. I think being an easterly wind, it's kind of quite quite choppy it takes a lot of wind and you can fly from there down into devon and sort of cornwall i think guy and kirsty have done a big one hugh's done a couple of big ones from there i've done a couple of you know a couple of 200s but those guys have gone a bit further hmm. um so yeah that's quite nice yeah are you are you pretty good at weather no hugh just tells me where to be where to be and at what time ah uh, isn't that great that was yeah my yeah. bruce is is that for me and in the excels and stuff and he's yeah he really digs into that stuff well i was going to ask you kind of how you you guys identify these good days and and you know the, if, what's the process there yeah no hugh's hugh's just a logistic call hugh he, he's brilliant yeah, he's, yeah. He's, two days time or tomorrow we got to go so i sort of i've got the I've got the estate car and, and, and Annie, she's my partner. She sort yeah. of drives for us. If if she's not working, we pay her to drive for us. So we, we jumble in the car. There's a few of us get in the car and off we go. Yeah. Um, and Hugh says, yeah, we need to go here. And we're doing a declared task. And give me your instrument. These are the way you're going. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, Fantastic. <laughs> that reminds me of one one task I did. So for the UK XC League, um, there's a multiplier for declared goals. And I've set one from, oh, I think it was Froster. 
Froster or Selsley to uh, a place called High and Over. It's a little hill down in Sussex and uh, it's about 180 k's or something. So hey, get to my, uh, get to High and Over and I just get to the cylinder and it goes, the Udi goes, bleep, bleep, task started. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was one of my reasons for not liking the Udi to begin with. But now it's, it, I like it. It's, you just got to learn how to drive the thing. Right, and right, it's, right. So it's, it's operator... Um, error rather than instrument really right yeah but uh <laughs> so yeah but yeah, I don't. yeah so hugh basically organizes us we've got roger gets in the car at the moment luke's uh luke's been getting in the car and coming with us as well mm. um but yeah so our enthusiasm is, is is wearing off a bit for this you know it's like getting up at half five six o'clock yeah. driving to a site for for 10 or 11 flying and then getting home really late so yeah. big days yeah big days and mm. we've done quite a lot of them so uh the enthusiasm's getting a little less for that but but no yeah Hugh works out the weather what about um when you think about places like bucket list you mentioned earlier before we started recording mm. well, what are those um there's a few places that I've been which are are really incredible um, for, for going flying. Um, Australia, uh, Godfrey Wanessa's place uh, in Manila. Manila, yeah. Um, the town is sparse, uh, but the and and it's you know it's 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 you're in the bush, you know. It's not yeah. you wouldn't go there for anything but flying, really. But um, yeah, if you can go to Manila, that's great. So yeah, Manila, Australia is is, uh, is is incredible. We had a comp there; must have been a world's, I suppose. I mean, I've been to quite a few comps, but yeah, it was uh, Manila's good. Been mm. there a few times, really good. Uh, Valadares is pretty good. Mm. Colombia is exceptional. Mm. I'd say this place, you know, Roldanio and um, Pierre de Chinche. Yeah, my favourite, I would say, really. Really? Yeah. Mm. Uh, if you're feeling um, feeling good about your flying and, and confident about yourself, Chelan and, uh, and, and uh, Sun Valley. Mm. I mean, we flew, if I remember rightly, Sun Valley is a sort of course of mountains. You sort of get a mountain range that's, I don't know, 50, 40 k's across, a bit of flatland that's 40 k's across, mountain range, yeah. and there's they several of those. Going. Yeah, they go, there's seven yeah. of them. Okay. <laughs> they just keep going into Montana. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of them is... Uh, I think it's quite close to Sun Valley. Is King Mountain? Yeah, second the big, or third big one. Big Lost Range. It's about seventy miles out. Yeah, yeah we. I remember gliding in there and these huge rocks, and uh, I, I might have been a practice day, but we were there, yeah. and I got a, when we a flew nine, out to Bora and back. I got nine meters. Well, I don't know where Bora is. I mean, there, there yeah. was smoke everywhere. That was where we got to the end, and uh, and uh, Henzi and Dad and were hucking those big wing overs, and okay. it was it was a proper big day. We were yeah. getting tall that day. Yeah. I mean, uh, visibility was because we had lots of fires upwind. Visibility yeah. was less than forty five degrees, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got nine meters a second to eighteen thousand feet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was the practice day. I think yeah. I think you guys were all like, "Holy shit, this is this is yeah. this is interesting." Yeah. So, um, yeah, Sun Valley's strong. Yeah, it's good. But you want to be feeling confident, really, I yeah. reckon. Yeah, you, yeah. Want your, you want your hours. I don't think yeah. you want to come in there in the spring and after a long winter and yeah. <laughs> start up there. I remember Nick Grease saying to me, oh, he said, when I come to Europe, I fly around in Europe for a while. He said, when I go back home, I get airsick. Yeah. I thought, oh, don't be a, don't be a, you know. <laughs> and then uh, I sort of get my nine meter a second to 18,000 feet. Oh, okay, Nick. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, Sun Valley, that's good. Here's good. Where else have I been that's been exceptional? I really, I had a, we had a British Championships in Pedro Bernardo, which is uh, the south side of the Grados, opposite side of Piedrahita. That was really nice. Piedrahita's good. Um, I prefer Pedro Bernardo though. Mm. But um, yeah, Piedrahita's very good. Uh, yeah, I think those are places you must go. Yeah. Australia, the US, yeah, Colombia, perhaps GV as well, Governor of Aladares. Yeah, exceptional places. Is most of your paragliding travel been for comps? Um, traveling for going to going places to fly. Volbiv doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. I don't really like doing an awful lot of exercise. I've, I've had had uh, physical jobs and, and job now semi-physical. Yeah. Uh, I don't like exercise. <laughs> Is that how you stay fit? Then you're obviously pretty fit. This is well, just I'm not, I'm not really fit. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, not fit at all really. But um, well, it must be in the genes because you talk about your dad being able to take some pretty hard hits. You, yeah. guys, you guys are little wombats, well. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so physical work is, is, you know, I've been doing that a lot. So to go volbiving, it's like, no, thank you. Volvisa maybe, but uh, not volbiv. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, why not go to a place and go to a, a competition? Organized. It's all It's all laid on for you, isn't it? There's a whole lot of sort of reasonably like-minded people there. You've got, you know, lift to take off sorted. Yeah, brilliant. Go to mm. competitions. I mean, can you imagine going to Manila? Going to XC in Manila on your own? Yeah, no. Or, I mean, you'd have to employ a driver because if you land out in the bush, you might be out overnight. Yeah. It's just hot. Yeah, hot and on your own. It's like, well, go somewhere where there's comp on, I say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you um, if you could rewind the clock uh, to your kind of 50-hour self, what would you do differently? with your with your flying like, like uh, if you could go back to that time and go hey mark listen to this i got some good advice for you stop paragliding ah! <laughs> we get, can't put that in there get, get, get a life and stop paragliding <laughs> you sad fuck <laughs> that goes for everybody out there <laughs> Yeah, stop <laughs> fucking with everybody else's lives and be reasonable with them. <laughs> Actually, that has to stay in. My, yeah. my girlfriend will totally understand that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, get rid of the obsession and be a normal person or a sensible person. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I was very, uh, well, I don't know, quite, wasn't council house and vicious, but I was quite small town or very small town before flying. And, uh, yeah, it's got me visiting all sorts of countries. I traveled around, uh, Mexico with, uh, with Carlo Borsatino for a while. He, he sort of taught me some very basic Spanish and still pretty basic Spanish now, but, uh, you know, it's great being able to talk Spanish to, to people a little, um, yeah, it's, it's opened the world to me really. It's, and, and all the, all the different people you meet, mm. you know, the, the, I don't know if they're normal human beings, but uh, we are a weird lot, aren't we? Well, it's, it's good, isn't it? They're you know it's so diverse. It's yeah. great. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm a farm labourer's son, and here I am rubbing shoulders with with wine buff guy Anderson. You know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it's good. Any um, any advice to the, the more lower hours pilots about just paragliding in general you know like hey here's you know if you want to get into it um here's here's what i would recommend is it would it be going to comps would it be uh 
it, I'm thinking more like the progression side of things. You know, one of, one of the themes of the show always is, you know, trying to eliminate or reduce the accidents that we, that we still see all the time. Um, I'd say if you can get out of paragliding, get out of it. <laughs> I mean that in all sincerity. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of hypocritical for me to say this, but try not to progress too quickly. I mean, my first paraglider that I bought was a Firebird Ninja, and I was flying about being a hooligan. I mean, I was young. I was lucky to get away with it. It was the odd bounce. So I haven't really hurt myself particularly badly in flying. I've been very lucky. Mm. Um, but there've been you know, some 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 people have come up and they've progressed too quickly, or uh, some of them haven't even progressed too quickly. So I suppose I, in this interview, I've spoken to you of at least spoken to you about two at least two or three occasions where I should have not been walking away from it, really. Yeah. Um, and I know of some others as well. Uh, and that's in 20 years, 27 years of flying. So it is a dangerous sport. You are going to have incidents. I don't think there's anybody that's been flying 27 years that hasn't had a, a semi-serious incident. Yeah. Just make sure they're not really serious because you are a long time broken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a really long time broken. Does the risk play more of a factor for you now than it did ten years ago, twenty yeah, years ago? Yes, Are you I thinking think... about it a lot more because you, like you mentioned, that flying San Andre kind of scares you. Um, and I'm finding that more. You know, the, just the the more incidences I see, mm. and the more risk. Obviously, the X Ops, of course, makes you think about it, but it's. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you, you think about it more, don't you? Well, I think most, I might be wrong, but I think a lot of people uh, going paragliding and wandering about in the world, flying and all the rest of it, thinking, yes, these incidents happen, but they probably won't happen to me. Mm. Well, they do. Yeah. They happen to people. I, I mean, let's not get all morbid and heavy and all morose yeah. about all of this. But, yeah. but you know, there's several people that aren't here anymore that, I know, you know, that I've known. Mm. And there are several people that are, seriously fucked up that I know mm -hmm. through flying um, you know if you said to them yeah I mean they've yeah I don't know what to say about it but it's just whatever you do try not to get smashed yeah you know do whatever you have to do just to, to make sure you don't have you have you got some of your own kind of Mark Watts ground rules for that have you gotten any because you know comp, comps can get you into some kind of tricky places and that kind of thing and if you take it too seriously you can really you know you can do some Stuff that you probably shouldn't do. Well, it's not just comps, is it? I mean, no, yeah, yes, not. yes. The, yeah, the, you know, the numbers are there. Comps seem to have a higher hit rate than than, than other things. So, yep, you know, let's not deny that. But, but you know, two years ago, San Andreas behind the coop. There seemed to be a lot of wind. I've gone in there, and you know, I can see the trees thrashing about, and I'm thinking, right, I know what's coming in a minute. It was, yeah, it was a big collapse and a wobble about, and I ran away, and it was okay. But it might well not have been. Mm. And I go back and get some more height and I come back for another go. It's like, hang on a minute. I've tried it twice. That's me done. Yeah. You know, I could have perhaps got some more height and managed to get over, but but it's like, no, no, it's like that's that's done now. Yeah. Um but you know, I've been silly enough to go there twice, wasn't I? You know, it's I don't quite know what to say. Just just try and be careful. Try and mm. be semi sensible and try and be reasonably careful. Mm. Um but you know, we're talking about you know, racing paragliders around at full speed. How's that careful? <laughs> just, just not Fly, careful. Flying around in the sky looking for 
patches of turbulence to go up in. <laughs> but be careful. Um, I have been recently, the last sort of year or so, I've not been flying quite so much. So I'm perhaps not feeling quite as on it as I have been in the past. Also, when I was younger, I was fit and strong, you know, I used to do tree surgery and all the rest of it. And you, you know, you, you, you feel not invincible, but you feel strong, you feel tough. And at 50, the body's starting to hurt now and I don't feel quite as invincible or quite as tough as I used to. Mm. So I think age and the fact that things hurt a bit more, these all sort of add up and, and start sort of playing on your mind a bit. When you're, when you're, when you're, when you're young, you're young, dumb and you know, full of calm, aren't you? It's like, <laughs> I'm invincible and off I go. You don't think about the consequences particularly. Mm. Whereas I think as you get older, you start realising your, your mortality. Mm. Uh, so recently I have been struggling with the, the risk reward. You know, you go flying and you do a reasonably nice flight and you come back and land. It's like, well, that was so-so. I, if I hadn't done it, it wouldn't have been a, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, that was really good. I'm sitting here thinking, well, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be missing it. Mm. And had I actually had a crash whilst doing that, I'd be really quite angry with myself. Right. So, yeah. Finding a different path a little bit, in a, mm. in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've thought about that a lot recently, is that, you know, you, you obviously can't do the X-Ops and that kind of stuff forever. Mm. And, uh, and I'm getting older as well. And yeah, I think it's, uh, um, you know, psychologists say that, you know, with, with people that are really serious about sport... Uh, you know, or maybe a professional athlete, like back in my ski racing days and stuff, like a lot of the guys that I used to ski race with, their, their trajectory was either booze and drugs, or they keep pushing so hard that they don't, eventually they don't, that cliff doesn't work mm. out, you know, and it's, you, 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 know, you got to find some way to kind of wind this down and yeah. <laughs> find other things that are enjoyable. Can I stop you there, Gavin? Yeah. Is this an interview? Am I interviewing you or are you interviewing me? <laughs> <laughs> Someone put me up to that. I've been preempted to, to hit you with that one. <laughs> Perfect. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, bud. <laughs> Someone said to me, "This opportunity will come up." And I was sitting here squirming in my seat. seat. Shall I hit him with the this? Perfect time. Shall it's I the perfect hit time. him with this or not? <laughs> sorry, bud. <laughs> well, I gotta think. I gotta yeah. thank Craig for that, don't yeah. I? <laughs> uh, well, let me just. You know, paragliding, it is wonderful. You'll meet lots of very interesting people. Some you'll like, some you won't. But they're generally very out there people. It's a brilliant thing. It gets you to go to places that you would never go and visit normally. It's great. But just try not to crash. Yeah. Uh, it's easier said than done. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, control courses or SIVs or however you want to, whatever you want to call them, have become uh, much better now. We're really learning or... or People have learnt um, how to use the paraglider. For example, stools still for me are a, a no-go. You know, it's like don't do stools. Should be doing them. It should be part of your your training, really. And the way that they used to be taught was not correct. Mm. Now they seem to be being taught in a in a fashion that it is a usable tool. So I think um, control courses, yeah, do loads of them. You know, if you can be at one with uh, controlling your piece of equipment, your mind can then be uh, freed up to, to, to do other stuff like looking where you're going and, and actually, is it gig of RAM? Yeah. Most of my gig of RAM is used up paragliding, you know, using the, flying the tool and all the rest of it. And people say to me, did you see that, that guy over there fishing in the pond? It's like, what pond? Let alone <laughs> the guy fishing in it. You know, a lot of the stuff <laughs> I don't actually see because the whole gig of RAM is used up 
doing what I'm doing. Right. Um, you know, Hugh's Hugh's got plenty to spare. You know, he's flying around and then he's sending text messages. Right. You know, or you know, so yeah. But um, if you can if you can learn, yeah, if you can use your piece of kit without having to think about it, you can observe and take in the information. You've got two eyes. They are the best things. They're your best asset when it comes to flying. Looking around, noticing little things in the distance. What is that? It's a bird. Okay. Is it circling? Yes, it is. Brilliant. I'll have some of that. Mm. You know, I, I seem to notice things on the on the horizon moving around perhaps more than most people. Mm. And that's that's definitely very helpful. And you and you feel like that's because you're you're comfortable with your kit. You're comfortable with that thing. You have more awareness of, of you're letting your subconscious do more of the work. Um, when it comes to competition, no, I I I don't don't see those things as much as perhaps I should because mm. I'm concentrating on thermaling this, uh, trying to outclimb the bloke next to me, yeah. not crashing into the bloke next to me. Blah 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 blah. blah. I'm, I'm sort of right here right now, and and uh, I'd like to be taking in that information around me a bit more. Mm. Um, it may, I may be getting better at doing that as I've got a bit older, but yeah, taking all that information and, and use it to your advantage. Mm. You know, use your eyes. Observation is, is is a key thing, I think, for 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 doing well in flying. Mark, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. That was a great hour and something out here and <laughs> out here that in nature. Oh yeah, I don't normally talk much. You can't shut me up. Can you? Yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> Who's interviewing you here? <laughs> yeah, cheers, no. buddy. Yeah, no, I, re I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um, that was a blast. And uh, we got one more day in this comp. Good luck. Cheers, and you. Uh, we'll see you at the next one. Ta-da. What good is that? So you've painted. I hope you enjoyed that. We've had many, many, many requests. I hope all of you that wanted to uh, hear Mark Watts on the show enjoyed that. Uh, as always, all we ask for is a buck a show. Um, don't just send a buck. Wait till you've listened to 20 or 30 or something and then send accordingly if you can. Uh, if you can't support us financially, uh, really appreciate it. Think of it like a magazine subscription or something you really value, something if you if you're get something out of it. Uh, you can do that. You can find the links to support us either through PayPal as a one-off or regularly, monthly, or you can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloud-based mayhem, but you can find the links for all of that on the website, cloudbasedmayhem.com. If you can't support us financially, totally, totally cool. Uh, another way you can do it is just give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can share it with your friends. You can talk about it on the way up to launch. That's what a lot of people seem to be doing. Uh, you can share it on social media. All those things go a very, very long way. And what's, what this is all about is just spreading the word and making us safer and, and hopefully making us fly better and uh, flying farther. So see you on the next show. Thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Cheers.